This is the Lazy Women Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to Lazy Woman Podcast. Uh, my name is Aizada and I'm joined here by my friend Dinara. Hi there. We're here to talk about the big question of why don't we prioritize female friendships more in our lives and how can we change our lives and build them around friendship and companionship more. Maybe you could share some experiences. What drove you to talk about this today? I've been thinking about the fault in the system of just growing older, finding a husband as a heterosexual woman, and then just having kids and growing old in the very like heteronormative, monogamous, like nuclear family. And it never really sat right with me. But the point where it all like changed was the first lockdown at the start of the pandemic when I was living at a dorm in Budapest, going to a grad school at CEU. And I remember that having a friend who lived in the same dorm close to me was a very valuable experience. And I really wanted to preserve it in many ways. And it became scary for me to think about that this kind of experience is a very one-time thing as my female friends and I are kind of like supposed to move on to other structures and to become uh, basically wife and mothers, not even necessarily in a heterosexual uh, marriage and relationship, but still in a very like heteronormative model of it, in a very monogamous, uh, having like priority over you, like I'm having children and stuff like that. So having thought about all of this, I started to doubt whether I want this for myself. And then I realized that whether or not I want this for myself doesn't really matter because as long as all of my friends around me like prioritize this, I would have to also basically find a way to grow old within a nuclear family because you cannot really build a commune with your friends if all of them are occupied like by other obligations. So I think this is how I started to think about this. And I've been thinking about this for three years ever since. Um, what about you? Well, I think a lot of people can relate to that, first of all, especially experiencing pandemic and a lot of people feeling isolated. I think we were forced to kind of reevaluate the connections we have with other people and friendships too. So for me, a lot of it was the same, like uh, experiencing the pandemic and having a lot of also mental issues and uh, depression and stress uh, of the horrors of the pandemic and seeking that support mainly from friends and receiving that support main, mainly from friends and questioning why can't we have it on a, like a lifelong experience and why don't we bring it along with us in lives with other issues that come up and the experiences of life that are tough and that we all go through. And also I think uh, we could talk about our upbringing maybe. Uh, growing up in Kazakhstan, I think it's a question you ask yourself sometimes. Uh, seeing people that are not really prioritizing friendships or are not socialized to do that. And I still remember going on a date in my early 20s and a guy telling me that when we potentially start dating, he expects me not to have any female friends. 
into basically <laughs> what a red flag <laughs> i know right <laughs> we never spoke after spoiler <laughs> alert <laughs> but uh, yeah his idea was that is when you start dating you basically don't need any friends as a woman in heteronormative relationships because you can hang out with his friends which basically means just uh, i don't know going to gaming bars or smoking shisha in the evening or what what they do very frequently uh which for me was such a shock i mean i knew these things are common in our society but it was like a really big red flag as you say and uh forced me also to think how we're all conditioned to as time goes as we become adults to think about friendships less and to put less effort and time into that as opposed to like romantic relationships and other things yeah i think it's a good uh, moment to note that we are not necessarily talking about having friends in general here we're talking about doing something a bit more radical and maybe unusual by centering our lives around those friendships which means making such decisions as like where do you want to work where do you want to move uh what what does your like long-term planning financial planning looks like and to account your close friends like or like just one friend like whoever you want to account for into those plans because i think everyone does have friends most people have friends um they love their friends they like their friends but they don't necessarily think of their friends as something that should be taken into consideration for making major life decisions um most people think of friendship as something that takes care of itself uh it's something that is quite effortless and it kind of starts on its own and then if it dies down it also dies down on its own it's uh unlike um romantic relationships which in our culture we think about as like something that requires a lot of effort you have to put in work you have to be patient yeah. you have to like have wisdom and whatever women women have to do that mostly yeah <laughs> you have to yeah you have to be like uh this like very flexible person like like to make all of this effort put so much emotional labor as a woman into relationships whereas friendships are just something that happens like on the sidelines of your life and does not necessarily make your life full and i think what we both discovered um during the pandemic and also as you and i will live together in 2020 2021 um just like the two of us in a very like uh, under the lockdown under the curfew in in budapest uh we we realized that like friendship can be as fulfilling and as important and also it can lift you up in many ways that people often put the pressure on like romantic relationships to do that um and i think there are many ways why we put so much pressure on romantic relationships and family and completely disregard friendships and which this this is something that we want to kind of look into and like dive deeply in this episode The final note I want to make before we go in further into some of the analysis we made is that friendships are uniquely not protected by laws. I don't know of any example in any country where friendships are protected by laws. If uh, any of the 
lazy women following? No, please let us know. Um, so friendships are a social construct, they're relationships that exist entirely outside of the realm of governance. So uh, this makes them appear less important and powerful in the eyes of the system of the state. However, like when you think about it, there is something freeing um, about an entire type of relationship that is not governed by any rules. It's completely outside of laws. Um, and I think maybe it's part of the reason we think of it as less important, but at the same time, why we think it also kind of takes care of itself because you don't have to go into a courthouse and get a certificate for your friendship. You don't have to like work hard enough to get to a level and be like, now we can be friends in law, you know? <laughs> yeah, we don't have to make it official yet. I mean, uh, you and I, we made it pretty official. We got matching tattoos last summer. <laughs> so Yes, we yeah. <laughs> So I think it all kind of like... That's our credential. Yeah, this is uh, how we decided to go about basically... Um, putting something official or like a stamp of friendship. But <laughs> not everyone has to do that, though. And I think most people kind yeah. of like accept the fact that friendship exists like outside of the structures. And of course, a big downside of it is that if you do want to like build your life with your friend, you will not be able to have the same amount of like legal protection and legal rights with uh when it comes to like situations of like emergencies, uh, loss, like healthcare, and it's kind of scary to think about that a lot of people need to get married just to be taken care of and just to feel secure. Um, and it's something that it would be good for us as a society to maybe rethink, especially now as people are reportedly becoming more lonely and like millennials are like prioritizing romantic relationships less and stuff like that. Yeah, I think what you mentioned about laws and how there's really no institution for friendships is uh, a lot of like uh, social pressure that makes people uh, prioritize other types of bonds like romantic relationships or like familial bonds over friendships because I think historically also a lot of laws encourage people to do that. If you want to have inheritance, if you want to have like a patrilineal kind of uh, family structure and history and uh, just be considered like as a, I don't know, cell of society. <laughs> That's how you're encouraged to build your life. And it's uh, really interesting going back to my experience also that I mentioned on that date uh, where this guy sort of blandly expressed to me what is his expectation towards me not having friends, it really makes me think about how normal that is uh, and how sometimes it's not even a spoken rule that when you get into relationships, there is sort of a threatening factor to female friendships, to relationships as well, and how it sort of gradually makes you, like drives you away from your female friends. And for me, I think we cannot not mention the key factor to that, which is patriarchy yeah. and how it shapes uh, our behavior in all of our relationships, but also importantly in female friendships and how our society really expects uh, this lack of, I don't know, equal dynamic. Because I think for men, it's different. For men, it's always a normal thing to 
still spend time with their friends, even if they have kids, even if they have like family to take care of. I think it's like a normal thing to like put your bros before (laughs) all females (laughs) and women in your life and like kind of diminish uh, these types of bonds. When wherever you are, like in life, and at any age, I think that's really normalized for men. Whereas for women, it's the other way around. I absolutely agree with you that well, women are infantilized in general. Whatever we do, um, whatever we take interest in, it's almost always considered to be a subpar category of something that's important. And the same affects our friendships, like. What do women do? They just like frolic around and like throw pillow fights or whatever. How can their friendships be that serious? How can they be actually fulfilling or life changing? And like most men, like most specifically men who are into like monogamous ideas of marriage and family, they really don't get it. And other men, they could feel threatened by it as well. Because uh, I also had experiences when one of my close female friends would get a new boyfriend and they would feel quite threatened by our friendship. And then often they would kind of like almost try to forbid them from being friends with me or they would reach out to me and kind of scold me as a child of like, oh, you shouldn't do this or that with my girlfriend. Like you should not go out to a bar with her. You should not like party with her. And to my point of being that this is a grown adult woman who is my friend and who can have her own agency lots of men feel like female friends can be kind of a corrupting power yeah bad influence basically yeah and i think as you said it come it does come back to the patriarchy because patriarchy is about power and control and entering a marriage that is very heteropatriarchal and what i mean by saying heteropatriarchal is that It's a marriage that is uh, heterosexual, that is monogamous, that is geared towards having kids and kind of like preserving these power structures of men being the dominant figure and women being more submissive, nurturing, uh, taking care of like him and kids. So all of this like heteropatriarchal ingredients, if someone really wants to preserve that they take anything that goes against that as a threat which a lot of the times make female friendships suffer and because we kind of as a society we give women an impression that securing that type of family securing that type of romantic relationship is practically the main goal of our lives um, naturally so many women tend to sideline their friendships despite the fact that they may not feel as supported or um, emotionally intimate or emotionally seen by their romantic partners as they do by their female friends, which is, I don't know, I, I, I guess we have to acknowledge the fact that female friendships come in a variety of like types and like intensities and a lot of them could be toxic, of course, but for sure. <laughs> And it, but I think our like in the popular culture we tend to kind of 
capitalize on the idea that female friendships are toxic or like like women are competitors and stuff like that. I went on YouTube in preparation for this episode and I just typed in female friendship and most of the videos who... I did the same thing. <laughs> exactly, right? And all of them yeah. were about how like sneaky it or... doesn't exist yeah. yeah like oh bad it is and like oh why you should break up with your friend and stuff like that like there are basically no videos in the first like 10 or 15 options that um tell you why female friendships are important or like why you should love your friends and like basically appreciate them and i think it's a very big telling of the patriarchal structure that we live in that tends to again and again diminish female friendships yeah i even saw a jordan peterson video on youtube recommendations for female friendships because i i guess a lot of men are searching for that on youtube and they want to see the proof of how female friendship don't exist or something like that and everything wrong with women and all of that what's better than to ask a man <laughs> about female friendships and uh, yeah it's really frustrating to me that this narrative still persists while at the same time i think while it still exists is because patriarchy views female friendship is inherently threatening because they know like uh, or like misogynists know or feel how liberating it can be and that it's actually a threat to the power dynamic so that i guess is a good news because uh it's better that there is power to it. That's why they're scared of it and how all these misconceptions come up. And I think uh, any woman who experienced like real friendship can attest to that. It's really not a new thing to prove like real life. Yeah, that's a hot tip number one. If you have a female friend and you love them dearly, I think you should hold on to that because... If someone wants you to cut that friendship off or deprioritize it, it's a good sign that maybe they do not necessarily respect the connections that you make outside of romantic relationships. And I think what you were saying before, it reminds me of a concept that I recently read in a book by Jen Ward. She coins a concept uh, called misogyny paradox, where basically straight men engage in heteronormative relationship with women while not eradicating the instilled inner misogyny. And they end up dehumanizing and disliking women despite marrying them and having kids with them and living their entire lives with them. And I think it happens so often, and it could be an entirely different topic for a podcast, but I wanted to bring it here to kind of compare it to the way women tend to feel human and they tend to feel supported and they tend to feel multidimensional like they can have so many different interests they can uh, do so many things within female friendships as opposed to a lot of like heteronormative relationships where when they're put in the box of a wife and a mother um, and someone who is like nurturing subservient etc and I think this type of uh, contrast, it's very hard to accept and to navigate, which may be why a lot of women willingly cut their like female friends once they get into like heteropatriarchal, heteronormative relationships, and also why men would want them to do that. But all the more reasons, as you said, to continue prioritizing female friendships because they offer so many of us an opportunity to be 
ourselves, an opportunity to explore who we are without a lot of judgment, without the fear of repercussion, without the fear of not being accepted or not fulfilling some sort of role. Yeah, exactly. And even from personal experience, I had a partner who basically thought it was okay that we don't really have shared interests that much, which is directly speaking to the misogyny paradox, I think, where your role in like uh, typical heteronormative relationships is mostly centered on the fact that you're biological woman than your multidimensional personality which also comes with the connections you have to other human beings your friends your family and other things like that and i think uh, we could talk about this idea of sort of centering your life around friends by starting with the concept of chosen family because we're not really reinventing a wheel in a sense, we're just bringing a very accepted and normalized idea also to heteronormative uh, relationships dynamic discourse. <laughs> uh, and the concept of chosen family, which was historically coined and prioritized and normalized within the LGBTQAI plus community, is basically about building bonds and uh, building home with uh, chosen non-biological community members and creating this type of kinship that is not based on like familial bonds or romantic partnership. And I think it has been proven that this type of chosen families can really help sort of uh, heal our wounds from all types of other relationships that we didn't choose <laughs> to have in our life. Or it can provide like long-term support and understanding also because it brings people with uh, shared experiences very often. And I think what I think a lot about the discourse around uh, building families is missing, is also adapting these more open ideas about choosing who you want to spend your life with, not necessarily centering it on love or creating family. Yeah. It's a very good point that none of these ideas are new and people have been feeling sidelined and in many ways violated by the heteronormative structures of family uh, for decades now. And they have been very creative in finding other ways to imagine life and belonging and companionship. And I think right now it's important to kind of go back to those things and to start talking about this again, because we are living in a quote-unquote post-pandemic world when people are kind of just coming out of a period of like extended loneliness. And also we're living in a time of like very heightened neoliberal capitalism. So all of the issues that have been there before, they sort of becoming magnified as time goes on. And it's not even exclusive to women. We can even say that there have been studies done recently that show that men are experiencing a friendship recession as well. Fewer men report having close friends now than ever before. And it significantly affects them in terms of mental health issues, suicide rates, as well as their propensity to violence, uh, specifically violence against women, but also like violence in public, etc. So we are living in a time when people are 
becoming more and more financially precarious. They're becoming more and more distressed. And all of it is definitely contributing to our desire to find other ways of living and other ways of companionship. But it also can be a big hurdle to finding those things. Yeah, it's a great point. I think thinking about neoliberal capitalism as a system, you can also think about a lot of like practical things in terms of how we build our lives and who we center in our lives. If you think about urban design, uh, a lot of it is centered around nuclear families, zoning, and real um, increase in individualism in terms of living spaces. You can notice in many contemporary cities, there are not even a lot of communal spaces that are free. Uh, you're expected to go to coffee shops to experience some kind of connection with people just working around them, or you really need to make a plan to structure your day so that you interact with people or meet new friends or make some kind of connections. And I think it also puts people into more and more isolation. And it's really not good for people first, and not for mental health and also not for the environment. Uh, it's sort of a increasingly toxic and isolating type of spaces that we live in. Uh, and a lot of people, I think, during pandemic were curious about other ways of living. And I think communal living became really popular. I think neoliberal capitalism tries to like sell us solutions to loneliness and how urban design is even like encouraging that by creating these spaces that are not built around really like shared values or like intimate friendships, but sometimes about uh, career goals, inspiration, ambition, and all these like neoliberal capitalistic values. And uh, on the other hand, I think people are genuinely curious about communal living because there is this space they need to fill in and the loneliness that you were talking about. And I think it's a large-scale problem. So I think while uh, people are really interested in communal living and like finding places where they can build friendships and communities and have this alternative, not traditional support systems, there's really not a lot of good examples in society because also of how we're not really prioritizing friendships in general in our lives. So while a lot of people are seeking these solutions, the systems that we have because of capitalism are offering solutions that are still profit-oriented and there are still systems in place that don't make it really about like friendship or shared values. And uh, I mean, there are also other examples of communes who are really centered around like environmentalism or like certain life preferences, lifestyle preferences, or queer communities do a lot of these types of settings, but I think it's harder for them to exist as well, given the economic constraints we have in this society and how they still need to have either some common profit or budget or there is still a financial element to it. So a natural solution would be going back also in history and understanding that we as species are uh, social beings. And it was natural for us to live in communities in the first place. And it wasn't something that you pay for or that you need to really struggle for, for the most part. And I think the system right now makes it like a 
fancy product or fancy new way of living that you kind of need to have means to have or at least have a certain type of privilege to enjoy or access uh, to these living spaces. Yeah, I absolutely agree. And neoliberalism in general really prioritizes the individual and the sign of success under neoliberal capitalism is just succeeding on your own. It's like being self-made. Like it's It became a huge point in our society that we congratulate people who are self-made. Uh, when, in, Of course, in reality, we know that most of them are not self-made. They're made through uh, inheritance of wealth. Sure. But we, we place this uh, incredible amount of burden and expectation on individual to make it on their own. And if they do have to share it with someone it can be with a partner and even then they have like in a traditional yeah like heteronormative family the partners have different goals of making it as well the man has to make it financially and has to like succeed and become like a productive member of society by being financially well off while a woman has to make it as a mother and a nurturer and by becoming a productive member of society by having children and bringing them up as also like the same like productive members of society. And I think in all of this setting, it becomes increasingly hard to imagine how can you opt out of this lifestyle choices and even harder to imagine how can you co-live, like co-build that life, for example, with friends who are in this type of relationships or who are maybe not in a very heteronormative uh, marriages, but they are in the marriages nonetheless. For example, like living here in New York area, there's a very clear division between where people who get married and want to have children like move out to, whereas the like more urban setting where like people who are single live. And I have friends here who are married and then some of them are like planning a family and they are accounting for their lifestyle choices through that lens. And it completely diverges from my own, for example, despite the fact that I love my friend dearly and I also want to be very close to her wherever she goes, but I cannot just go to specific areas because not only are they very expensive for someone with a single income, but also they are not necessarily geared towards someone who is single. Um, so in order to, for example, practice building companionship with that friend, I would have to basically go and move into specific suburban area with lots of families and children. That would be fun. <laughs> <laughs> that would not add to my <laughs> mental health uh, stability, that's for sure. <laughs> but I think like all of it, kind of fuses together to discourage people from finding other ways of living and from finding other ways of belonging. It's so much easier to just think, oh my God, yeah, like I'll just get married and I'll just, I'll just do it. I have those feelings, like I have those thoughts all the time. I think to myself, I really want to be with my friends. I find it so fulfilling. I'm the happiest when I am with my friends. But then logistically realistically i think well maybe I'll be, it will be just easier for me to just find a husband and just like be like everyone else and visit my my friends on vacation and holidays um yeah we all had those thoughts yeah, yeah it's just easier 
And it's such a shame that you have to be, be incredibly creative and also incredibly stubborn and persistent if you want to find other ways of companionship and belonging. And also, um, you have to have certain class privileges that comes with it. Because, for example, you and me right now, we live in different continents, in different countries. And it's very hard for us to find a way to like move into the same country in the same city especially like as uh quote-unquote third world immigrants from kazakhstan we have to overcome like so many issues and you cannot separate the financial like positionality from your ability to be creative with what you do with your life so i think yeah it's important to acknowledge all those factors that go into that yeah, exactly. Even if you think about the housing market, it's much easier to get a loan for a place if you're married. It's much easier to find a place if you're a married couple. And uh, I think single people or people who want to live with friends, they deal with sort of this student lifestyle kind of options. Or like we still need to sacrifice a lot of things when it comes to how we build our lives practically. And as you mentioned, like the experience of immigration doesn't make it any easier when on top of just deciding how to navigate this logistically, you also need to think about legal issues. And uh, again, like you cannot just immigrate because your friend lives somewhere and she cannot like write to you a visa <laughs> application support or anything like that. Well, if your partner is a resident in another country, even if you're not married, actually, in many European yeah. countries, they can sponsor your moving. And I know a lot of people who are friends, they do that for each other where, where they apply to use that privilege of being in relationships. But then they need to prove that they are romantic partners. Often they need to have like Instagram posts. They need to have yeah. texts over time that are clearly like romantic why can't you do that for a friend that you want to have in your life like for long term? And there's this societal distrust that friendships are not as stable, which is ridiculous mm -hmm. <laughs> with the rates of divorce. And like, <laughs> how many examples like uh, do we have of romantic relationships not being stable, which is, I mean, it's a normal thing for any relationships, but what's the difference yeah. and why don't we change this? Yes, so it is definitely, it has to be a conscious choice and it has to take a lot of effort for us to kind of stand up to the rigid structures of capitalism and patriarchy that we live in and to say that we actually want to think for ourselves and we want to find other ways of being and that would make us happier and more fulfilled. And while it is hard, as we have been talking about for the past few minutes, it's not impossible. And we fully believe that it is worth it for so many reasons. And there are so many studies that support that. When it comes to specifically female friendships, the love and acceptance that you can receive by being friends with, like, with women offer, offers you a safe haven from patriarchy, from many violences that you can experience even in your childhood home and perhaps later on in your relationships or within your marriages and having that space where you are free to 
share those things where you're able to have a system of support against specifically like the trials and tribulations of being a woman, I think it's a very powerful thing that we definitely should cherish and prioritize. Yeah, I think there are so many points that make it worth it to overcome all the issues we were talking about. And as you mentioned, recent science is finally interested in the psychology and neuroscience of friendships and like uh, how friendships really work on biological and psychological level with people. And uh, some studies that I could quote from this Guardian article by uh, Robin Dunbar, who is an evolutionary psychology professor at Oxford, who says that friendships can be basically the best antidepressants that you can get because of how they influence the release of endorphins and make you feel calm and have like a really good and positive effect on your immune system can foster your cognitive function. And a lot of people report a feeling of high after they <laughs> spend time with their best friends. And I think we can all definitely relate to that. And there is not a lot of things in life that can like come close to that experience and that feeling. So I think uh, really in spite of like all the difficulties that our society places on maintaining friendships, they should be really like a new thing to prioritize in lives for your mental well-being, for your friends' mental well-being, and for our communities at large. Because I think the more friends people have and the better they maintain their friendships, the better the communities are. It all comes kind of together and solves a lot of issues for us as a society if we think out like in a big context. Absolutely, I agree. And not I hope we didn't make it sound like friendship is a lot of work. <laughs> I mean, it comes with work like any human relationship, exactly. uh, which I also think if you can take away anything from this podcast is that you should not easily give up on good friendships that you have in your life. If they um, are tested against time and distance and diff like changing family structures, we encourage you to definitely look into that, try to like put in maybe more effort into that. But it's also important to remember why we think friendships are worth working for, which is the fact that friendships are the only relationship that we have where there is very little like transactional nature to it. It's fully based on this radical acceptance and unconditional type of love where all we want to do is to keep our friends happy. We want to see them happy. We want to see them succeed. And it is so empowering to have this type of relationship and have this type of support in your life, which is why we think that so many more people, not even like men should also like look for it in their lives and actively foster it in their lives. And before we go, we wanted to leave you with a quote from Raina Cohen from her article for The Atlantic, where she says that many of those who place a friendship at the center of their life find that their most significant relationship isn't comprehensible to others. But these friendships can be models for how we as a society might expand our conceptions of intimacy and care. That's beautifully said and quoted. Thank you, Isa. The Lazy List.
Do you want to share some tips that we compiled for making friendships work or like prioritizing friendships? Yes. So this is basically based on our brainstorming and personal experience, because I think like, as we mentioned, there are so many obstacles, societal, economic, political, when it comes to immigration and all of those things that make it hard to center friendships or even just live in the same city as your best friend. So to maintain friendships, to keep supporting each other and to like make a better space for friendships in your life, we kind of talked about like some of the things that we do or we try to do <laughs> and that we think would benefit friendships in general. So first is kind of obvious, but still it uh, never goes out of fashion, communicate. Yeah, basically uh, treat your friend as, as with the same importance that you would treat your partner in a way that you have to really understand why they say things like what they want, what they expect. And it's a whole different other person and you have to accommodate them and also accommodate yourself. Exactly. Like, uh, what are the needs they have in friendship? What are the sort of relationships patterns they're used to or not used to? Like, we also talked about how this idea of love languages can really be applied to any relationships for the most part, that some people prefer like quality time together or the new one is shared experiences and other things. And maybe understanding those things about your friend can make it easier for you to communicate how you feel close to them or how you want to experience this friendship together um, the second one would be if you are on the journey of prioritizing uh, your friends and try to find new forms of companionship be patient with yourself with the structures of the world and with your friend and their circumstances. It's going to take a while, probably. Yeah, and uh, something you mentioned earlier as well was like taking time to learn things about each other, which kind of goes hand in hand with like being patient because our lives change, our circumstances change, and maybe we change too, but it doesn't have to mean that we cannot be friends anymore or that friendship long-term will be like very different but it makes it maybe easier to accommodate each other and uh, adapt the friendship to the point in life where you are. Yeah. And another point is that you have to really set some boundaries, not just within your friendship, but also with other relationships and kind of indicate to people why your friendship is important to you. For example, if you're getting in a new relationship, you can always tell them that, hey, I have like this and this friend and just so you know, like they are so important to me. I don't think they're going to go away anywhere. So you could like maybe make sure that you understand that. Or even like if you don't have a partner and you have a family, you can say like, oh, yes, I'm coming like to visit you or I'm going to spend time with you. But I also have this friend and I also want to spend time with them because they are just as important to me. Just to basically make sure that you set expectations about your friendship with other people. Yeah, and I think it's really going to help like normalizing having these deep friendships be a big part of your life. And some other tips would be to also build a community together or have some shared experiences as like 
maybe projects that you share and like I think this type of thing can also help you grow together without like isolating yourselves and having a, a constant like support system also with other social groups and uh, friend groups and maybe career-wise engaging like each other in the wider social circle so introducing each other to people you know and kind of like keeping each other in as many places in life as possible does it make sense yeah absolutely i agree and last tip to go have fun and be yourself <laughs>